All right, good morning. This is Driving Theology. My name is Mike, and uh, thanks for joining me on my ride to work this morning. I've <coughs> got a little fall allergy thing going on. It's not horrible. I think we'll be fine. Uh, slept in this morning. Got a little extra rest, so I'm still a little groggy, but I think we'll be all right. So, last last week we uh, talked a little bit about uh, <laughs> jazz and Jesus, I think. <laughs> I'd lo- love to get some feedback on that from some of you guys uh, to see how you, what you thought of that or if it's too much music junk or not enough Jesus junk or Jesus junk is not the right thing to say, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so that was last week. Uh, this week, in in uh, pursuit of jazz, I guess is kind of where I'm at right now. I uh, heard a lot of jazz last week. Man, it was great. Um, most of it was swing jazz, uh, uh, swing jazz bands, uh, bands that originally I think were put together for dan- dances back in the say the 30s and 40s, back in the time of Glenn Miller. And, suppose Count Basie and, and the, that era, right? The big band. Uh, so I heard some big bands uh, this week. There was a local festival, uh, which was just great. Uh, heard a lot of, uh, a wide variety of um, music, but also a wide variety of abilities from, from high school which was not the worst, I, I must say. The high school was actually one of the better ones. But let's just say age-wise, all, all the way through kind of a senior, uh, a, a jazz band that had mostly older people in it. Uh, and then a professional, a, a professional. In fact, uh, some people would say the best swing orchestra in Japan, the Gentle Forest Jazz Band. And they had a soloist, uh, with them, who is a, a professional as well, named Akiko, who uh, is on the Verve label, uh, which is a big jazz label from the States. I believe it's from the States, but I know a, a lot of the biggest jazz people have recorded for Verve. That's V E R V E, I believe, Verve. Uh, and she was awesome. Yeah, it was just, it was just a wonderful day. So, that day pretty much from well I didn't start by 2 o'clock I probably started listening around 3 so basically from 3 o'clock all the way until almost 8 o'clock with I guess an hour break in between at one point uh, I heard nothing but big band jazz live Uh, all the earlier acts were all outside and then the last hour concert was an indoor concert um but man, it was great. It was a great day. And then last week I went to a local jazz club called uh, Something. Something Live House. Live House Something, which is a couple couple stations away from me uh, in a town called Katsta. And I'd been there once before with uh, a guy I went to school with, uh, Heath Jones, who's now a music professor at uh, the college I went to 
he's a uh, professional saxophone player, and he, while in Japan with some students, uh, he and I went down to that club, and he brought his sax with him, his tenor sax, I think it was, and then we uh, kind of jammed with the uh, with the uh, combo that was that was performing that night, <clears throat> which was a lot of fun. Yeah, and. I had not been back there in 14 years, even though I really enjoyed that night. Uh, I guess the timing just wasn't right for me to go back or whatever. But So anyway, I went there, and they, they had a, uh, uh, a lady come in by the name of Mayumi. And she did uh, she played piano and sang while she played piano and did some jazz and, and some uh, more old pop music as well. And, Got to meet her, and she allowed me to sing a song with her, and that was really cool, so. I guess I'm kind of immersing myself as much as I can in jazz and studying a little bit of jazz theory on the side and uh, practicing uh, some chords on the piano. I really need to transfer it to guitar at some point, probably. Um, jazz chords are tough, man. They're tough to learn, but that's probably enough about jazz. Let's talk about funk. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, man, though, you know, we, we've been on this journey since 2013. So I guess the last nine years now of stepping away from institutional church. And, well, actually, we had started that journey. I, I personally had started that journey probably nine years before I actually did it. Um around 2004 is when I started uh, contemplating the possibility that other forms of, of uh, gathering, Christian gathering, uh, could not only be acceptable, but preferable, maybe, right? And it took me it took me nine years uh, to uh, get to the point where uh, you know I could I could step away with my family and and so we we finally did step away uh, in 2013, right around this time of year actually in the autumn, right around October November when I got back from my first trip to uh, performing in Carnegie Hall with the chorus. <laughs> We came back and, and did that. So, <clears throat> huh, that's interesting. Yeah, so that was the end of October, beginning of November. And, yeah, it's been it's been a long journey. But the, the reason I bring this up is that on Sunday, uh, my wife and I decided to take the train into this jazz festival, which was just two stops north of us. Uh, the jazz club is like three stops south of us. But anyway, so we decided to take the train in. So we were able to park um, at our, <coughs> excuse me, at our business. Walk to the station, hop on the train and go. Well, we, while we were at the train, uh, we saw two people that we haven't seen in a, quite a long time. A husband and wife, an older couple, uh, probably in their close to 80s, 70s and 80s. And they were taking the train, and we realized at that moment, oh, I did right away, that this was a Sunday morning. 
This is a Sunday morning, and they just finished Sunday morning worship. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to you, but for years, when Sunday would roll around, um, we would feel like something was off because we weren't going to institutional church anymore. You know, we were gathering in our home, and it wasn't really on Sundays, and and it 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 has taken, I think, this long, because it happened to my wife as well, it took this long for us to go, oh, yeah, this is Sunday. Because <laughs> Sundays now, um, for better or for worse, have become just like every other day. Um, they're not, Sundays are not, they don't stick out, they're not more important than any other day. They're, they're another day of rest that we have. Uh, and, and you probably know if you've been involved in church very long that, that church days are not rest days. Um, not the way that we do them institutionally anyway. Uh, you know, as far as getting up, putting on all your best clothes, um, getting the kids ready, getting everybody in the car and getting to, uh, getting to the church on time, uh, my fair lady reference there and you know it's it's and then there's all this stuff you have to do as a church so uh, if you're speaking that day you've had to prepare several hours during the week or if you're leading singing uh you know you have to choose songs or learn songs that have been chosen for you uh maybe you have to rehearse with uh a couple of musicians or whatever uh if you're involved in the worship band if you're in, involved in in the education, church education, you have to prepare your lessons for your students that day. Um, so there's there's all kinds of things like that that have, has to happen. Uh, and then you know maybe you've had to to scrounge together uh, some money to give the church as well. And and uh, you know there's there's all kinds of things you've had to do that kind of take away the rest aspect. Uh, of 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 Sunday, right? Now, of course, the Jewish Sabbath was Friday night to Saturday night. I get that. Sunday wasn't the Sabbath. Sunday was the day after the Sabbath. Um, but Christians kind of made Sunday into their new Sabbath because that's the day, uh, as far as we can tell, that Jesus rose from the dead. <clears throat> and so Sunday instead of Saturday became the holy day which you know whatever that's fine um, but you know being on a being on a journey of going away from institutional church has um, been a process of deprogramming in many ways uh, one thing that that gathering in our home we've never had to deal with um, is trying to get enough money to do this or that or to pay this or that bill. That's something that's never happened. So there's never been any coercing of people to give funds. Now, it doesn't mean we haven't given. We, we, we do, when need arises, a very specific need, uh, we do give people the opportunity uh, to help out with those things. And we'll put a cup or a jar out when we gather and and uh, and we'll you know 
get that all the money, 100% of it will go to whatever, you know, we have decided to give to. Uh, and it's a very simple, very direct way without any, uh, you know, anybody taking a cut or percentage for anything, right? We just, that's just not something uh, that would ever come up. There's no salaries. Uh, and there's there's no really, this is going to seem weird to say, there's no orthodoxy. We don't really deal in terms of right teaching and wrong teaching as much as just having conversations and helping each other uh, get closer to one another and closer to Christ. Um, and sometimes, you know, we don't even do any of the things that institutional church does. You know, there'll be times when we won't even <clears throat> maybe pray, if you can believe that. We may just spend time together and enjoy each other's company and, and play with each other's kids and talk about our week and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's a very different kind of dynamic, for sure. But I think, finally, after nine years, I feel like finally we have been able to separate ourselves from some of the um, programmed shame that comes along with the institutional church. Um, I think, and that, that's, what, that's what I felt like when I was sitting, standing on that platform with my wife, uh, and we saw these people, you know, we're like, oh, yeah, it's today's Sunday. Oh, yeah, you guys are coming from church. And the last time we saw them was probably in a church. <laughs> that's my guess, anyway. It's been a while since we had seen them. So, yeah, it's just kind of kind of a weird thing. I don't know that it's good or bad. I, I don't I don't know how to put a value on what we've done. You know, whether it's right or wrong or good or bad. I'm not really thinking in those terms about about this th one thing. You know, that is it good? But but I my heart of hearts tells me that if we're going in this direction of trying to uh, trying to bring Christ uh, in a very organic way, in a normal way, I feel like this needs to be a part of the process, or whether it needs to be or not, it would be just you know it's part of the part of that course, right? I guess it, I, I guess I'd say it's it's sort of like a um, <laughs> what's that thing when you take a drug a side effect a side effect of of uh, you know quitting cold turkey on institutional church would be that you you are you lose some of that programming of having to be at a certain place at a certain time on a certain day. <clears throat> in order to be one of the righteous or one of the good people. All that to say, uh, once COVID came along, we stopped meeting as regularly. So it's been 
probably two years since we've met regularly. Uh, we, you know, we keep in touch with everybody. Everybody kind of lives in our community. We're all kind of uh, based now in the same area, which is great, except for a, a family or two. But we're basically all in the same area. And so <clears throat> we, we are wanting to uh, begin meeting again, uh, at least um, semi-regularly. Now, yes, once you start meeting regularly, you can and might fall into the same patterns of institutionalization, which is where, um, you know, everybody's meeting, how come this family didn't come, blah, blah, blah. But as long as, as long as you have in the way that you operate, operates the wrong words, but you know, as long as you have shared values of not shaming people for not being there, trying to understand where people are, loving people anyway, uh, and not going through uh, such rituals that require certain people to do certain things at certain time. For example, uh, you know, the tradition we were involved with was men. Men did everything in the worship, right? So when you got together, uh, the the men uh, preached and they led singing and they prayed and they read scripture and the women were allowed to do none of that. <clears throat> it's a very uh, male-dominated religion and most of them are, I still have to say. Well, when you're meeting in someone's house and you're just getting together and kind of allowing things to just happen, you know, um, those kinds of problems don't come up, right? Because everybody's free to do anything or free to do nothing. <clears throat> and, you know, and we'll just kind of take it as we see it. And, and hopefully depend on the Holy Spirit to, to help us to do kind of what, uh, to help us do kind of maybe what needs to be done a little bit uh, without, you know, without any, I don't know, strict rules, I guess. And that's kind of organic, right? We get together, we see what happens, we see what we need, we see what comes up, and we roll with that. And and in that way, uh, we can we can diffuse uh, or uh, make less toxic uh, the toxic parts of institutionalization. And all institutions have it: schools. Uh, you know, hospitals, uh, you know, any place you have a hierarchy, uh, there are ways that the system is unkind to individuals or sections of people, right? I, I believe in, in most ways the Churches of Christ that I, were, I was involved with is unkind to women. Um, and it's not, not unkind to women in that, you know, yeah, it's hard what men have to do 
a lot of times on church on Sunday morning and women are spared that. You know, there is that. But there should be the freedom for the woman who wants to do, who, who feels led to do some of that stuff, who, who, who has, uh, you know, God forbid, some natural ability of leadership and, and wisdom and knowledge. Uh, and she could help the entire church, but instead, you know, she's not allowed to do the most important parts. You know, she's kept on the back row. Well, that just doesn't come up, and you know, it's it's just not an issue where we are at. You know, we got kids running around, and and uh, it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of lovely chaos, I'll say, uh, that, which is what kids are. Lovely, uh, lovely chaotic. <clears throat> so yeah. Anyway, um, all that to say, what exactly? I don't know. I don't know. You be the judge. Uh, but we are gonna try to uh, start meeting again, and I think I think I'm gonna try to send out an email today um, to the group and see if everybody can meet on maybe this Friday well, Tomoko will, my, my wife will be late she's working on certain days but it could be that Tuesday is going to be our day to meet since she's going to be off Tuesdays maybe it's on Wednesday maybe Wednesday, I don't know uh, she's got a lot of evening classes that she's having to do right now But so yeah we're going to try to uh, start meeting regularly and now that we've got more people living in our community with homes themselves maybe we'll Maybe we'll be able to spread it around a little bit, you know, to share each other's homes and, and something like that. So, anyway, we'll we'll see how that works out. We'll see. Should be fun though. However, we do it. <clears throat> One of the factors was not only Corona, but also Tomoko's dad. Uh, my wife's dad has just gotten, you know, he's gone downhill. Uh, gotten worse and worse, less and less mobile, uh, and you know, basically, to right now, he's he's basically I don't know if invalid is the right word, but he really can't do anything himself. He can kind of feed himself, but that's it. Everything else uh, has to be done for him. He's just he, he's completely immobile, and and he's uh, either a senile or having Alzheimer's, uh, one or the other. We don't know exactly what's going on with him, but those things apparently can't be known until after death. So, so I mean, that, that's been a big, you know, thing with us. It takes a lot of, saps a lot of our energy. But uh, now that our girls are out of the house, uh, at least for a while longer, um, it looks like... Uh, he's going to be going to a uh, facility more and more, which is uh, necessary, important, I think. So, um, yeah, we're going to start gathering. So I'm wondering, you know, after not having gathered for a while, what what kind of things do we talk about? What do we, you know, what do we what do we get together to do? Maybe what I'll do is make a, a little survey and ask people to kind of uh, 
give us ideas about things they'd like to study or talk about or, or learn about. <clears throat> I think that'd be a good place to start, possibly. We'll take a little swig of water here while we're driving. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be fun. <clears throat> we just haven't done anything, so I wonder what we'll do for food on Friday night. I guess I could cook. Maybe do a pot, a pot of beef stew. Do some beef stew. That'd be nice. And have people bring other things. <clears throat> Actually, that sounds good. That'd be a big pot, though. It's a lot of people. Anyway, we'll figure it out. So... Yeah, gathering. Yeah, I have I have missed it, you know, and and what I have to be careful about is that part of the missing gathering might be still in my programming, you know, that that's what we're supposed to be doing, um, which is not untrue, I suppose. The big thing for me is, is when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, what do you imagine are the consequences? That's that's a big thing for me, uh, because <clears throat> we find ourselves doing things we shouldn't do all the time. Little things, big things. It's it's a pretty common thing for the you know for the human experience. If you're you know holding yourself up to some kind of standard, for example, if you hold your life up to Jesus's, well, none of us uh, are all ever going to measure up to Jesus. So. What do you imagine are the consequences of your life not measuring up to Jesus? And this is not a small thing. I think it's a big thing. Uh, and you can look at it from the other, the other perspective as well. Uh, what is the benefit of living like Jesus, right? Uh, what are the benefits of living like Jesus? I think that's a little easier uh, because we can look at Jesus' life and see what happened to Jesus. The benefit... Of, of living like Jesus is that people around him uh, learn to love God. The people around him love, learn to love God uh, and, and learn that God is love and that God uh, loves us unconditionally. Uh, and, and not only that, right, people around Jesus were helped in various ways, whether it was with their health they were given their health back. Uh, uh, maybe they were uh, given uh, food, right? They were helped with hunger. Uh, they were helped with health, with hunger. There's a lot of mages here. Uh, they, they were helped with uh, fellowship, right? With, with friendship, with bring, being brought near to Christ. Even if they were friendless in the world they were outcasts, if they were foreigners, uh, whatever they may have been, uh, when they met Jesus, they were, uh, they were given the benefit of becoming part of a family, right? The family of Christ, not to sound too uh, uh, cliche, but it's, it's true, right? Um, so people were given a, a new identity, right? 
And believe it or not, the identity that they were given is not Christian. The identity that, that Christ's give us, that Christ affords us and models for us and gives us is the identity of being truly human. Right? We can be fully human when we live like Christ. Christ lived a fully human life. The most human life ever lived. Right? He lived to the full potential of being human. And that's what he modeled for us. To live like Christ is to re- rediscover true humanity. Uh, and so the benefit of living like Christ is for yourself, sure, but it's for the world. It's for your context. It's for all the people around you. Everybody will benefit from you if you live like Christ. Uh, and then the opposite is is true, that that if you're not living like Christ, people are not benefiting from you as much, right? Uh, when we when we uh, when we fail to live up to Christ's standard, then we fail to bring His healing into the world, whatever that means, you know, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, uh, material, whatever. Uh, and I realize material and physical are the same thing. Anyway. Uh, <clears throat> But some people would imagine that the consequences of not living like Christ is that you're going to hell. Right? That, that your sin and your inability to live like Christ will, will send you to hell after death. That if you are not able to um, live like Christ... Uh, there are eternal consequences, and not just to go to another place without Christ, but but to to go a place where Christ will be in charge of torturing you for eternity. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just um, mind-boggling, right? That there's probably no doctrine uh, in the history of Christianity that has become more repugnant to me than the the. Tr- the doctrine of uh, ECT, eternal conscious torment in hell. Um, it's the most unchristlike thing that's ever come about, but it's something that seeped into Christianity. Uh, perhaps you know, in the in the early part, as just a you know, what if? You know, maybe they weren't so sure of it, but at some point, the church became so sure that people were going to hell, um, that it became almost the most important doctrine. And it, we were able to justify doing horrible things to non-believing people because they were going to hell anyway. So, yeah, I, I can't imagine a more harmful, horrible, unchristlike doctrine than eternal conscious torment. It's just, it's just horrible. Uh, and, you know, I've done everything I can to get it completely out of my vocabulary. That doesn't mean I don't think some kind of hell exists. Right? But I will say this, if it exists, it is temporal. And it's self 
self-inflicted, self-induced. It's the consequences of rejecting, uh, rejecting love. I think the the consequences of rejecting the way of love uh, will uh, usher you into uh, a kind of hell, right? A kind of existence where uh, it's all transactional, right? Everything's transactional. Uh, If I do good, I'll get good. If I do bad, I'll get bad. Uh, And and that kind of existence, I think, is hell because there's just no way to keep keep ahead. It's impossible. It's just the wrong way of looking at things. Uh, and I'll be honest, I've I've been in hell myself. I've 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 been deep in the consequences of my own sin, and it's a horrible place to be. It's not a great place to be at all. Uh. But it's temporal, and it's not something that's eternal. And I think, I think, uh, and I've said this before. I think Jesus will use every opportunity in this life or the next to woo me into his into trusting him completely, into into becoming fully human, right? Uh, which is to live. Uh, with the image of God um, in us and allowing it to shine through us. Uh, It doesn't take away, to live like Christ does not take away your personal identity. Christ had a personal identity and that was Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph and Mary. Uh, You know, a, a, a construction worker. Laborer, he had an identity, personality, a history. But you know, the Christ in him is a universal aspect, and it's more than that identity. But it doesn't negate that identity. If that makes sense. So for us to to have the Holy Spirit in us, Holy Spirit is really just another word for Christ. Uh, does not negate our identity in any way. Right? I think I think it enhances our identity. Greatly enhances. Um, yeah. So back to my question: Where do we start when we gather the first time? And I think I think the biggest thing is to not have too big of a plan for it. You know, let's just make a time and a place. And let's, you know, try to show up as much as we can. Uh, Let's make it as easy and simple to get in and out, right, to come and to leave. Uh, Because most of the people in our group, besides my wife and I, have children, school age uh, or preschool age. Uh, And that makes it actually pretty tough. Yeah. just do something Saturday afternoon. Wait, Saturday when I have Saturday. I think Sunday's probably not possible. Although Sunday evening might be possible. Anyway. So yeah, we're going to try to get back get back to stuff. We've met, you know, several times throughout the last two years. Uh, 
but not had any kind of consistency to it. Um, and yeah, I miss it. I do. That's right. I do miss it. So, yeah, um, I'm gonna let you guys go. Just about to my job here. If we can get construction work to stop stopping us every five minutes. <clears throat> hmm. My car says that I have this. Well, you can hear it starting and stopping. I have this idle stop. It looks like uh, I've idled almost five minutes. Almost five minutes. I wonder how much gas I've saved driving up here. <laughs> anyway, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, maybe I'll uh, be able to follow up next week with how it went with us. Should be good. Horrible. All right. Bye-bye.